a spiritual heritage, rich with faithful servants who have come before us. Men and women consumed with a deep love for God. We celebrate our history and tradition as the framework and foundation of our call. We leverage our passion and resources to fulfill the purposes yet before us. We have never been strangers to trusting God for great things. We've stepped out in faith to make a place for those who are yet to come. It is time to believe that God can do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. It is time for our faith to be bigger than our fears. The church is the hope of the world. We are God's hands and feet, his agents of change. Our world needs us. Good morning again. I want to say thank you also for this opportunity to be in this place in Mount Horb and to share with you in worship and in God's grace. We're here because God has blessed us. Amen. Has God blessed you? I mean, do you really realize that God has, has awakened you for this moment, for this time in your life today? And that everything that you will experience will be new for you in this state. Now, I understand that it will be the same. You'll see the same people that you've known. You'll see the same places around that you've known. But this is a new day. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. So, I rejoice with you this day. Also, I'm grateful uh, for opportunities to be in places to share God's grace and God's God's love and God's word is important for me. It's important for all of us to be together. So I share a message with you this morning uh, that's just entitled, What Matters Most? What Really Matters? And I'm using as a scripture text, Luke 19, 1 through 10. And I read from the message uh, version of the, of the scriptures, and it says these words. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. Uh, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. So, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. And Zacchaeus scrambled out of this tree and hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw this incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, uh, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I've 
I give away half of my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. My friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we're grateful for the time we share this morning. We, we give you all honor, praise, and glory. We pray that you will find us willing to follow your way, to do your will, and to know that you are our Lord. For this we ask, for these times and these moments we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but uh, the, the Bible is chock full of opportunities to see people who are just like me. I don't know about you. I like to be around people that I can relate to, people who I understand who sometimes struggle the way I struggle, who sometimes who fail the way I fail, sometimes who have to get up and rejoice the way I have to get up and rejoice. I am just, just always enamored about the Bible and that it shares with people who sometimes get out of their lane. Have you ever seen people who get out of their lane? I mean, you could be on the road, you be in your place, be in your lane, just doing your thing, and all of a sudden you look to the side and someone's creeping in on you. Just maybe they lost focus. Maybe they just don't know where they're going. Maybe, just maybe, they're at the exit that they need, but they're in the fast lane. <laughs> and they've taken this opportunity to come across you and test your resolve in God's grace. <laughs> I'm always happy to see those little fish on the back of people's uh, cars and see the hand signals they have when somebody comes from the far lane all the way across. <laughs> you know, but, I, you know, the Bible is full of people who, who are just like me. I, I, every day there, we, we drive around in, in our lives, and, and we sometimes lose direction. Sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes things don't go the way. Sometimes... There are people in your pathway that you just didn't recognize were there before, and you have the ability at some point to lose your lane. Every now and then, I tell my wife and my daughter and my son, I say, you know what, I'm going to get a new wardrobe, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dress like you all. And they look at me and says, Dad, stay in your lane. Uh, what may look good on us, I can guarantee it will not look good on you. But the Bible's chock full of things that tells me about its honesty, its authenticity, that it lets me know that I am not by myself. And none of us wants to live in isolation by ourselves. We want to know that there are people just like us. And here we are, this story of Zacchaeus. And now I will tell you this. The last time I checked the roles of, of anybody being born, and any time I've done a baptism, I have never come across anybody named Zacchaeus. Have you? <laughs> I don't know what now. In the Scriptures, in the Hebrew, his, bio, his name means the pure one. I know, you know, I would love to have somebody named the pure one, but just haven't heard of anybody being open to name their child Zacchaeus. But in fact, we have this story. And in many ways, Zacchaeus is just like you, and Zacchaeus is like me. 
Now, what they tell us about us is some simple things. First of all, he's a tax collector. He would be the IRS agent today. So I guess he would not be a person that we would want to see every moment. He was quite rich, and maybe that was to the fact that maybe people thought he was skimming off to the top. You know, every now and then, we all try to increase things 10 or 15%, you know, just for the service charge. But regardless of how he felt about himself or how others felt about him, he was just like you needing someone to love him, to care, to appreciate he was just like you and just like me, wanting to have direction in life, focus, knowing that I'm doing the right things in the right way for the, for the reasons that God has given to me. Knowing that every now and then I may stumble, I may fall, but having the opportunity to rise up and be what God needs for me to be. Don't know where he went wrong. Don't know what turns he took. Don't know where he got in, mixed up in his, in his life. But somehow, somehow, in the midst of his own struggle of life, things happened. He was not the person he thought he was going to be. Now, I was raised uh, in a home of teachers. My dad and mom were, were educators. They retired. My mom uh, taught for like 32 years in school. My dad taught for like 38 years. He was a football coach. He was also a biology teacher. I mean, every now and then, as a child of, a, of, of teachers, I don't think I was ever out of school at any particular point in time. I think I was in school every single moment. I woke up, I was in school. I went to school, and I came home, I was in school. I got tired of being in school, so I left home to get away from school. But my dad taught me a lot of things. He was great. He was a wonderful biology teacher. We had all kinds of animals around the house. I tell you, animals that I liked and some of them I didn't like. Didn't like the snakes, but that was fine. But my dad was a wonderful person, but he had one failing. He could not work on cars. He was not a mechanic, even though he did a lot of mechanical work. My dad was what you would call a shade tree mechanic. Anybody remember shade tree mechanics? That means that you worked on your car in the yard under a shade tree. My dad was such a shade tree mechanic that he would create his own shade to work on his car. My dad taught me some things. He taught me about what not being perfect was about. I can remember one time being out in the middle of the night uh, with my dad. He always waited to work on his cars at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. And knowing we had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And we would be standing out there. I was raised in a time where if, you, if the children were seen, not heard. And so, therefore, if Dad was doing something, you had to be outside with him. And so, if he was mowing the lawn, we had to be outside with him. If he was doing anything, we had to be in that place with him. And so, on this very cold January night, now my brother and I were standing out there watching my dad work on this car, saying, what is he doing? And, and he invited us to get in the car. And it was colder in the car than it was outside. I just don't understand. But it did give us a perception, a reason we could see. When the hood is up, there's this little oval part. Check it out when you go home. Look the hood and see this little oval part. And you could see right into what he was doing. And it was one of those old cars, so it had those big, humongous air filters on it. He had taken it off, and it had exposed the carburetor. And what he was doing with his carburetor was kind of intriguing. 
He was pouring gasoline in it and then jiggling around again and pouring gasoline in it and jiggling around a little bit more, pouring more gas, jiggle, gas, jiggle, jiggle, gas, jiggle. And then all of a sudden, he hollered out two words to my brother and myself. He says, hit it. Now, in that lingo in my community, hit it means turn the key in the ignition. Now, for this particular point in time, my brother and I have this argument going forward. Who actually turned the key in the ignition? <laughs> he says, I did it. I said, I'm the oldest. You did it. Regardless, the key got turned and the rest was hosting history. There was an explosion that was above all explosions that you could see. NASA would have been proud of that explosion. It was all kinds of noise. People woke up, woke up in the morning, uh, in the middle of the night, thinking that Armageddon had happened and they had not even been thought of. They thought they were going down in the depths of hell. <laughs> the smoke was just enormous. And then there was that sound, you know, that, that boom. And then it got silent. You know, things happen when things are silent. Then there was that fireball that had all colors that I had never seen in my life before. <laughs> and I looked at my brother. My brother looked at me. I said, you just kill your daddy. <laughs> he looked at me and says, no, 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 no. You killed him. I said, we're both going to detention. I just know it. We'll never see the light of day again. <laughs> but when that smoke settled and I saw my dad, this figure, and then he started moving to the side. I said, well, at least it'll be, it won't be that. It'll be something bad, but it won't be manslaughter or nothing like that. <laughs> but my dad was a creature of the 70s, big afro, long sideburns, fuma, and two mustache. What that fireball did to him was a work of art. <laughs> Michelangelo would have been proud of what happened that day. I mean, that fireball went up. It took off his mustache, recolored his sideburns, left a racing strike right down the center of his afro. <laughs> It was so funny. We wanted to laugh. Laughter was coming up out of our big toe. It was coming all the way up. But, it, but you know, children was, was seen, not heard. So we had to stifle it right here. Do you know how hard it is and how painful it is to stop laughter when it gets right into your throat? And he was staring at us saying, I dare you to say something. I dare you. <laughs> that night, my dad taught me that not everybody's perfect. All of us have challenges in the midst of our lives. And what matters most is that we deal with our challenges in a way that allows us to be the people that God called us to be. I don't know where Zacchaeus went wrong, but I do know this. Zacchaeus knew what he had to do. And he teaches us what we need to do when we find ourselves in places where we don't need to be. When we find ourselves out of the lanes of life, out of the lanes of grace, out of the lanes of mercy when we are unfocused with where God and we're not dedicated with what God wants us to do and that we forget that the Lord is on our side. When he saw that he needed, he heard that Jesus was coming, he did something. He was short in stature. He was not a person that people liked. And so he had to get over his issues and he decided to climb a tree so that he could see Jesus. At least he could see Jesus. Something will happen if I could just see him Something may happen in the midst of my life, and it changed his life. The story says that when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and he called him by name. Sight unseen, called him by name. Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today, we'll eat at your house. He comes down. People grumble. He knew something was happening. Two things I want to leave with you today. First of all, his past was redeemed. His past was redeemed. His past 
placed in front of him, scarlet in front of him, and yet Jesus calling him by name gave him a sense of knowing that whatever you have done, wherever you have been, whatever line, lanes you have gotten out of, you can get back into the glory and grace of Christ by knowing that if you know the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess if you call his name and he calls you. His past was redeemed. That means that all of us, every one of us, young, old, rich, poor, wherever we may be in the status of life, our lives are redeemable, but there's no way to be out of God's grace. We may not be perfect, but we know who is. And by that mere mention, we invite him into our lives, into our very homes, into our very places where God already knows we need him, but yet we keep him out. Isn't that something in your life that needs redeemed? Isn't that something in your life you need to let go? Isn't there some lane that's somewhere along the way that you've been meandering along? Some blurred line in your own understanding, somewhere you want to give somebody the, the, you know, the, the last bit of your mind, you want to tell them what you think of them, but yet you know that you know that you know that without the grace of God, you will be the same. His past was redeemed. And even though those around him grumbled and were indignant that Jesus would take time with him, doesn't that tell you that regardless of how you look, how you may feel, what you may have done, God would take time for you? Second thing I want to let you know, the Scripture teaches me, not only will our past be redeemed, but our futures are redirected, transformed, you may say. We've been transformed by the renewing of our minds. You see, when Zacchaeus climbed that tree, he knew that he was, he was a person in need of grace and mercy. But when he was at his home eating with Jesus, he was a person whose future had been changed for the better. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that why we are here? Isn't that why we baptize our children? Isn't that why we make ourselves available to Jesus? He did something that I think all of us need to do. He confessed. He fessed up. He says, I don't know what people think, but if they have half of it, I give back. And if they find me even doing it now, I'll pay them back four times. He confessed. He says, listen, I may have been wrong. I, have, I know I cross lanes. I know I do things that are not appropriate for God's grace. I know I'm not in the right place. But I know that, Lord, by you being here, you have allowed me to be in a place where my life can be redirected and be transformed. And my friends, I will tell you that we've dedicated this place as a place of transformation. This is a transformation station. When you walk in, your lives can be unshackled by those things that bind you, unshackled by those things that confront you, and that you can be free. Oftentimes, I go to churches and we share in communion and we go right to the Thanksgiving. 
We like to be thankful, and we ought to be thankful for what God has done. But in that very ritual itself, it's a confession. You see, you have to confess who you are and whose you are. We have to confess that sometimes we have not loved God with our whole heart. We have to confess that sometimes we have failed to be the church that God needs for us to be. Sometimes we have to confess that we have not done his will, that we, we have broken his law, and that we have rebelled against his love. We have to confess that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. There's some people who are unlovable. But yet, God says I have to love them in spite of who they are and who I am. And I have to confess that there are many times where I have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive me, Lord. And this is what I believe. It says, free me for joyful obedience. Freedom is what I need. Freedom from my sins. Freedom to be able to be God's agent. Freedom to stay in my lane. Freedom to experience God's grace and mercy. Free me for joyful obedience that I may be the very witness for Jesus Christ, that I may be the very one because God has redeemed my past. He has transformed my presence, and he has redeemed me for the future. Even today, your future, someone will come into your presence, and you may very well be the best scripture they ever read by your very presence. By your very presence, you may be the difference in someone's life because you would not be here if someone's life had not made a difference for you. So what matters most? It matters that when I'm in my tree, when I'm in my place, when I'm, in my, I'm out of my lane, that Jesus knows my name, and I need to hear him. And when I hear him, I call, and when I, when I come down on this tree, I know he's going to come, and he wants me to sit with him and to know him, to experience him in the study of his word and prayer and, and to be in with others, not by myself. And then he's going to do what he's always has done. He's going to redirect my future. He's going to transform my existence. When I was a superintendent like your superintendent, Kathy Jameson, is here today, and I'm grateful for her presence, I had an opportunity to do a lot of charge conferences. And that means those are church meetings where you go out and be with people and talk about all the things they want to do, like build places of worship like this place. On my way home to visit with my young children, I was going down this one little, this, this one little road. It's always a little road. It's always dark, always difficult to navigate, but it's the easiest way home. On this particular night, there was a terrible accident. It was three young people, two 15-year-old girls and one 16-year-old young man who were out driving. And they got a little impatient, got out of their lane. And when they got out of their lane, they hit a truck. 
We just happened, my friend and I was on the other side of the wreck, had just arrived there almost simultaneously. We got out. We looked at what was a terrible, terrible, terrible sight. One of the young ladies was named Heather. I took the hand of Heather. Heather was in a lot of pain that night, floating in and out of consciousness, but when she was conscious, she had this conversation that was really eerie. And I said to her, just be quiet. Things will get better. There are people on the way who can help you. And she had this conversation with me that was similar to what Zacchaeus had with Jesus and Jesus had with Zacchaeus. She said to me, do you think that God loves me? I said, Helder, this is a terrible place. I know that there'll be people here to, who come and who will assist you. And, and I know you need just to be quiet. She was persistent when she said, do you think that God loves me? And I said, Helder, God loves us all. And if he loves us all, he loves you. He redeems our past. He transforms our present. He redeems our future. Yes, God loves you. What must I do to receive him? And I thought about that. I said, Heather, God knows your name. All you have to do is call his. Just say, Jesus. I'm Heather. I need my past redeemed and my future transformed. And she did. I said, accept Jesus into your heart. And she says, I do. And I said, well, Jesus loves you and loves you even now. And she says, will you tell my mom? Because my mom needs to know that I've done this today. Well, on that road that night, Heather died. Months later, I was in another meeting, church meeting, like Kathy Jameson is going to go to later on today. And I was standing in the front of the church, just like I am now. Her mom, whom I did not know, came to me and says, you know my daughter, and I says, what's your daughter's name? She says, Heather, did she tell you anything? I said, yes, to tell you that she has given her life to Christ. She said to me, thank God. For me, that's what matters most. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today is salvation day in this house. And maybe someone today needs a little salvation. And all you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus for he will be everything for you because it's Jesus that matters most.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.